This podcast was inspired by an internship with the Museum of Motherhood. Please visit mommuseum.org for more information about the museum, to find out how you can get involved, and to help us strengthen our wonderful community of mothers. Again, that is mommuseum.org. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Bethany. And I'm Amanda. And And we're we're sisters. We are both toddler moms, but we have very different experiences of motherhood. So we are on a mission to talk to different moms who all have different experiences. With a whole lot of laughter, tears, and probably coffee, we embark on a journey to experience motherhood through the eyes of others. Please join us on this journey as we explore motherhood through funny, loving, and very real memories. This This is Mom Talks Talks with My Sister. Welcome, welcome, welcome! (laughs) Hello, welcome back to Mom Talks with my sister who doesn't have a voice. So I was going to say, welcome back to Mom Talks with my sister, but my one sister is only half here. I'm I'm literally a half a person without a voice. You are. Some might say they like you better this way. Ouch. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want you to feel better. I feel bad. You know, there was, when I worked in veterinary medicine, which I don't anymore, but when I did, I had a client specifically ask not to work with me because she did not like my voice. Rude. I swear to God. I'm not even kidding. I went into this client's room and I was like, hi, I'm Bethany. I'm going to be helping you out today with your cat. And she was like... And I had a normal voice at this point. Like, let's not talk about this monstrosity (laughs) that is current. But, and she's like, I'm sorry, but can you like whisper? And I was like, yeah, not a problem. My name's Bethany and I'm going to be helping you out today. And she was like, can you get someone else? I just really don't like the tone of your voice. And I was like. (laughs) I cannot. even begin to imagine saying that to somebody. I know. Because now I understand. This some, is not Fran Drescher. Let's just like, like, like you know. I mean a little know. bit right now it is. Miss the Sheffield. That's funny. But, you know, and I understand. Nothing against Fran though, because I, do, I really right, do like she's, her. She's really funny. So she's great. But, um, and I understand some people are like, hey, you know, my cat is a little skittish, like move slow, talk slow, be quiet right. for sure. I get that. I worked in veterinary medicine for 10 years. Um, but nope, nope. We had to put a pop-up note in this client's chart that says, does not like Bethany's voice. Please pick a different technician. <laughs> that is wild. Can you imagine just what, a, what if a person's going to be like that and like actually say that to you? I mean... Good for her for being, I guess, honest. If she was like, something is really bothering me, then I'm just going to remove myself from that situation. Right. But like, can you imagine what her day-to-day life is like, where it's just like, if something like that is going to bother you that badly, that you can be that rude to someone else? Like, I'm sorry, I think you have some other issues you need to work on. Like, I was born with this. I I didn't pick it. My bad. (laughs) It's different than, like, you have a very loud shirt going on. Sure, right. Like, I don't like the tone of your voice. Wow. Okay. Well, speaking of voice, yes, though, so let's go into our mom moment of the week. I have the funniest mom moment. Tell me. Okay. Clearly, I sound like I have 16 frogs in my throat. Okay. Oh, I was thinking 17, but it's fine. You can go with 16. <laughs> you know, semantics. <laughs> but, um, so yesterday, I was trying to talk to my son, and I was like, buddy, say Eleanor. Eleanor is our dog's name. 
and he's getting so much better. And he says her name. It's so cute. He says, Eleanor, Eleanor. And it's adorable. So I go, Bubba, say Eleanor. And he goes, Eleanor. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, excuse me. <laughs> Ryan, my husband, starts cracking up. And I'm like, are you making fun of me? And he goes, Eleanor. <laughs> So for the rest of the night, he is walking around the house making fun of the way that I sound. Every time I would ask him to say something, Baba, say fork, fuck. <laughs> Do you know what this reminds me of? Uh, it reminds me of, I don't know if you ever watched the movie, um, The House Bunny. Um, and she has to say people's names like that to remember them. And it's something she just like randomly does. Like in no. the movie. So she's like, Samantha. Like, and so like say Samantha. She's like, Samantha. Like, and this is what this is sounding like. I swear to God, I swear to doing it all night. And the first time he did it. So sometimes he does that like voice and we, we joke about it. We call him Demon Baby. And, um, yeah. but last night I was like, say Eleanor. And he said, Eleanor. Amazing. That. <laughs> I was cracking up. That is a story. I know. Yeah, absolutely I know. a story. Oh, it was a good one. How about you? Do you have a good mom moment of the week? Um, I have a good mom moment of the week. Um, last week we talked about um, a daughter who was not feeling well, um, and she is feeling better now, and we took her out for, like, just, like, so we normally have to, like, be at certain places at certain times, like, Every weekend, because we both work full-time, it's on the weekends, it's usually like, oh, we're going to be here at this time, here at this time, here at this time, which is normal, and I'm glad that we're busy. I would rather be that than not have anything to do, but we just kind of had, like, a free day, so we were like, all right, choose your own adventure. What are we going to do today? So we kind of took her out, and we just... We, we just did a bunch of things. We popped around to a bunch of different places, and just watching her... Um, thrive and make friends no matter where we went she like she would see somebody whether it was a kid or whether it was an adult and she's like I go say hi I go say hi I'm like okay well let me just see us like we we have to like be cautious but yes we can go say hi um but she did she met um yesterday she met like two kids at one place and then she met two kids at another place and like they were instant best friends they were absolutely like it just I like seeing her kind of grow into like this kind person then friendly and outgoing um I don't know just human that she's turning out to be and I'm, I'm very proud and very very happy I love that thank you my son <clears throat> um so my son at the playground today he met two new friends um but he's at the age still where he doesn't know how to co-play so he just kind of like, if they had a ball, he wanted it. So he'd go over and I'm like, that's not, we didn't even bring that ball. That is, that ball belongs to that child. And you just take it. And I'm like, oh my God, you look like such a brat. But like, also it's the age that he's at. It's the age, but then you also feel bad as the parent. You're like, you, you apologize not only to the child, like here's your ball back, but you like look up at the parent. Like, I am so sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point the little girl was putting like the, the fiber wood chips mm -hmm. onto part of the playground. And my little butthead of a kid comes over and just wipes them down. And I was like, dude, can you just apologize? Say sorry. Please say sorry. I'm going to take you home if you don't say sorry. Yep. And the dad was like, yeah, he's totally fine. She can just get more wood chips. And I was like, it's not the point. <laughs> but anyway, 
So I'm glad that your daughter is able to start making friends and she's at that age where she's co-playing. That's exciting. She loves it. Yeah. Yeah. So today we have another very, very special guest with us. Who is this little lady here with us today? The little lady that is here with us today is our grandmother. It is our mom's mom, Grandma Marsha, also known as Mom by four children of her own, Grandma by 10 of her grandchildren, G2 and Great Grandma Marshmallow by her great grandchildren of which she has four. Amazing. So if you're keeping count, that is 18 children. That's a lot. That stemmed from of this kids. lady. That is a lot, lot of kids. Of kids. So, welcome. Welcome. Oh, thank she, you. She's here to discuss how she looks at life, how it has changed since she was a child, all the way now to being a great grandmother. She describes herself as a great grandma who worries even more with each generation over the future, safety, and both physical and spiritual lives of her children. Grandma Marsha, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Okay, I hope it's uh, what everybody wants to hear. Oh, Grandma, this is this has got to be weird for you because this is definitely not podcast life is not something you grew up with. <laughs> Grandma, do you know what a podcast is? I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm asking. No, not really, because okay. I am old-fashioned enough yet that I really can't stand most of this. Uh, New stuff with computers and and uh, emails and Facebooks and Twitters and all that. You know what, though? You play a mean game of solitaire. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. Yep. Nailed it. Nailed it. So a podcast is um, a very specific uh, online radio show. Okay. So we don't have to work at a radio station to uh, put out a radio show, kind of, is this the most simple form. And uh, we're hoping people... Uh, find our podcast and then listen to us and then share it with their friends and then they'll they'll hear us all talking and just having a conversation so yeah and what's really cool about podcasts specifically is that you can find a podcast tailored to pretty much anything you want to listen to so if you want for instance this podcast is focused on lives of moms um of mothers of all different types, backgrounds, um, or Amanda and I are big fans of paranormal podcasts. Yes, we are. Um, you can do sports podcasts. You can do religious podcasts. Um, basically, tailor whatever you're interested in and find a specific program that covers it. And that is what you are doing with us today. Okay. So. Perfect. All right. So now we know what a podcast is. Yes. So, Grandma, why don't we start off... Um, in what uh, decade were you born in? I was born actually in 1940. Um, obviously, the years over World War II, I don't have a lot of recall because zero to five, you know, you're, you're a toddler and you don't always retain something unless it's really outstanding or frightening or whatever. So most of what I can tell you as a child is... Um, I, my dad never had to go to war because he was uh, not able to go. He was not called, not totally disabled, but he had ulcers and they wouldn't take him. I had several aunts or several uncles who were in the war, but that's why I don't remember a lot about them. And uh, what I really recall, though, is uh, 
the home that I lived in, I lived right next door to my school, right across the street from my church. And our little town, little hamlet, if you'll call it that, I believe, is um, it was just up and down the street, the kids could go. And we never worried about where they went because it was such a nice time and people did not worry or have to be concerned about where their kids were at because they knew their neighbors and it was wonderful for them. Uh, my uh, One of my memories is uh, kids have to, had to walk past our house to get to school. So they'd walk through our front yard and we had chestnut trees, horse chestnut trees. And my brother, my little brother, would guard those chestnuts for whatever reason, he would get them all in a, a, a couple of bushel baskets so that the kids that came along couldn't take them. And they were his special things. And it was just simple little things like that that was so good about childhood back then because it was just a simple life, kind of almost like the Waltons in a way. They got more dramatic than we did in many ways, but it was just a, a nice place to grow up, and, and you, you didn't worry at that time about things. Even though the war was going on, my mom and dad never made much comment about it, and I really start to remember things only once I start school. And I never went to kindergarten because of, uh, it was a two-room schoolhouse, the big room was the grades five through eight, and the little room was grades one through four. And it was just, you had a wonderful experience being in the situation because your first graders could hear what the second graders were learning, what the third graders were learning, and what the fourth graders were learning. And it was a wonderful experience for us to grow up in that because we learned listening to the other kids who were older. It was a really wonderful experience. I think it was just uh, a, a kindly teachers. We were just having fun all the time and you could run outdoors and in the uh, at the noon hour, the lunch hour, and play in the yard there. Or I could even run around the, house, the, the fence and get to my own home <laughs> if I needed to. And it was that way, but we were grades four through eight. And uh, I will say that uh, um, or we were grades one through one through eight, but my class was the last of the eighth graders. There were two of us before we went on to our our freshman year in high school. There were just two of us who left that school. Do you remember who the other person was? Oh yes, I remember. He lived down the street. Um, they were farmers, and I do remember this. He and his brother had to go out before they came to school and do chores. And they came to school smelling of cows. <laughs> and that was kind of funny, but we were, it was a rural community, so it was kind of interesting. We had different people of different sorts and kinds, but uh, everybody got along. We were, it didn't matter where you came from, as far as you were down the street or in, out of the woods, you know, you were accepted there and everybody was, uh, very happy there. Um, I guess that's really why life was so simple. Everybody knew everybody and you were accepted. And that was the one thing that uh, I have to say about my, my mom and my dad. They grew up 
in a world of acceptance. Mom was a farmer's daughter. My dad had uh, lost his dad when he was 16, and he had seven children. There were seven siblings, and he ended up having to help out my uh, grandmother on his side with raising the kids. So my dad was very, right from the, an early age, very um, responsible. And they tried to teach me to be a responsible person in, in a world that was much more simple than it is now. So, Grandma, let me ask you a question, um, and then we'll we'll get more into like the motherhood uh, mm-hmm. side of this. Um, do you think, though, that because you lived in such a small rural community and you weren't exposed, like, because now it's we know what's happening all over the world at any time of day, and you didn't have that at all. You knew your local news, and you knew what was going on around you. So, do you think that that helped? You know, keeping you. Um, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure. Yes, I'm pretty sure that probably had a great deal to do with it because. You checked on your local news, and you'd sit down in front of the radio and listen to the news in the evening with your mom and dad, maybe, but it didn't affect us like it does today, because not only are you hearing it all the time on everything, Facebooks and phones and your computers and television and radio, you're surrounded by bad news, Mm -hmm. because that's what is being told. A bad news gets the headlines. Right. Much more than good news. You're exactly right. Yeah. That's very unfortunate. Um, did you know very early on that you wanted to have children? No, I didn't think about it at all for uh, years. It was not one of the things that I, in my, even in my, uh, you know, my puberty, I never even thought about it. I was still worrying about getting my school grades where they should be and then getting into school and having new friends when we went to our freshman year in high school. Um, and having fun, not just not just the learning. I had fun while I was in high school. I was in the band and the chorus, and they had a uh, future nurses club, I, which I joined once I thought maybe I'd be a nurse, and we were able to go into the local hospital as volunteer AIDS, you know, we'd pour glasses of water and pitchers of water and such things as that. But uh, it was just, it was just nice that uh, we could do that. And I, I actually was only 16 my entire senior year and turned 17 in May. So I graduated at 17. And because I didn't know what I wanted to do, we were even allowed to take a postgraduate course, which I did, and took myself uh, some math that I probably would never have taken, but it was something that uh, was open to me, and I took my fourth year of Latin. So... (laughs) uh, that that last year when I went back to school, we were allowed to do it, and it was it was done free. You could do it, so I did. And uh, finally, by the end of that year, I had done enough with the volunteer at the uh, local hospital that I thought, yeah, I've got a couple of nurses in my family and my aunts and such. So I said, I think that's where I'm going to go. So then. Um 
Um, so you kind of weren't thinking about children. You were focused on your career, and then you went and you got into nursing, um, and then you did get married. And when you um, got pregnant, were you, were you trying to get pregnant, or was it uh, oops, we're pregnant, or was it? Yeah, it's an oops. <laughs> most most are right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I just what I don't know why I didn't worry about it. It just uh, it was okay. This is what's supposed to happen, and I guess I will be happy with it. So I had my first child when, um, after I was out of school, obviously, but I was working full-time, and uh, I became um, pregnant, got that baby, and then came along with the second one one year later. <laughs> well, <laughs> so can we, I, can we talk was, about your first was, one really quick? Yes. Cool, cool little tidbit on your first one. You share a birthday with your first uh, and your oldest son. That's, that's right. right. Talk about a birthday present. That's yep. right. Uh, yes, that's uh, <laughs> that was the one thing I remember as uh, we were being driven to the hospital. I said they're going to send me home because they're going to say I'm trying to have this baby on my birthday, <laughs> but he came along anyway. <laughs> So now, so then you had him, and what year was that, and how old were you when you had your first? Okay, 1963 was when he was born, so I was 23, and then my daughter came along in 1964 when I was 24. Big shout out to our mom. Our mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> and then after you had our mom in 64, um... Uh, what were the uh, years of the other two that you had? Okay, um, 1966 for my third son, my third child, which was my second son, and then my fourth one was born in 1968. My first two were born in California because during that time I was working full time, but my uh, husband was in the uh, service, and so we were stationed in California. So can we talk a little bit about that? What was it like? being pregnant and having your first children so far away from your mother especially in a time when communication wasn't as easy as it is now whereas if i need something i can just call mom what was that like for you i really would like to say that it was easy but it probably wasn't there were times that uh, i relied on the people that were in the uh neighborhood, well, I say neighborhood, we lived on a, a, a base uh, housing development, so other people around me were um, service people. They had kids, and we kind of helped each other. And I guess that uh, maybe I was just too dumb to think that it was tough. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it was... Um, it was neat. I mean, they they were good kids. I mean, they just it just seemed like it was okay. It was, was the way it was going to go and the way it was going to happen. I did make a trip home by train to, to, to see my parents at one point with the kids. And eventually we were back We when he's finished service. My husband at that time uh, finished service. We did move back to... New York State. So then I was happy to be back and see my parents and let them see their grandchildren grow up. 
That's, that's, I mean, that's really cool. Uh, that's really cool. I think this is something, this is going to be a really eye-opening conversation for, I think, our listeners, but also for us, yeah. because some of these questions are things that we just... I feel like you without just grow this, up with grandma. You just grow up with grandma, right? And this is just what you know, and yeah. yeah. And so I think taking this time is really special for the two of us to be able to answer some of these questions that I think this podcast is allowing us to ask, or we otherwise wouldn't have like known right, about. Right, thought to be yeah, like, what was it like as a mom across the country from your own? Yeah. Um, so you did a train train ride from California to New York State with two children. <laughs> Yeah, that was a little tough. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think? I take yeah. my kid ten minutes down the road to the park, and I'm like, "This is the worst experience of my life." <laughs> yeah, the big thing too back then was uh, car seats were not a big thing either. When you stop and think about it, but as I think about uh, after I'd gotten back home and I had two more children back in New York State, the one thing that meant a lot to me was to be able to say to those kids, you will see a part of what I grew up with as a child in that family was so important. My grandmother on my, my grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side had Christmas and all the family came on Christmas day. And then my grandmother on my dad's side we had a second Christmas on New Year's Day with his side of the family, and it was wonderful. It was the best fun as I grew up, and I would describe it to the kids as to how much fun it was to have all this big family and have, a, especially New Year's Day, I really remember when my, uh, on my, my dad's side and being New Year's, there would be football game on. We'd have our turkey dinner. The guys would have get all filled up with their turkey. They'd all plop on the couch to watch the football game, and the next thing you'd know, they were... <laughs> 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 and it was such fun. But we And as children, we enjoyed each other. I'm sure that the, the, the my kids would have enjoyed a whole bunch of that had they been able to have that kind of thing. And that's what I feel a lack of in, in some ways because even though we try to get together with my children, my grandchildren, my greats now, it's tougher because a lot of the kids are scattered about or there's just different things. It, it's uh, not quite the same. We enjoy each other when we do get together, but it's not like it was when I grew up. Right. It was just big Walton-style families. Right. I think there's something to be said there that as big as the world has gotten and how easy it is to communicate now, it has made um, physical interaction a lot less mm -hmm. because it's easier to, say, have a Zoom call. Yep. So yeah. moving to California with your family isn't as big of a decision nowadays as it would have been back then because exactly. the only thing that you had back then was yeah. letters yeah. and maybe an occasional long-distance phone call. Right. Right? So... It's it's it seems like there's you know give and take with the increase of technology. Yeah. With that, there's also an increase in distance between family. Yeah, yeah. The actual physical getting together yeah. really hurts sometimes that you can't have them all where you can at least sit down and have a dinner together. You know, 
instead of doing it by phone or, or Zoom. Yeah, and I think, you know, Amanda and I can definitely understand that. Mm-hmm. When Even when we grew up, we had our really big family Thanksgivings and really big family Christmases, and those just don't happen anymore. No. You no, know what no. it is? It's sad, and I miss it. Same. And and I know it's something that we really want to bring back for our children mm-hmm. so that they can have those memories yeah. that meant so much to us, just like they did to you. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, all we can do is try our best to pass those traditions down. Yeah, yeah. So, Grandma, at some point, um, and again, we don't need to get into the details, whatever you're comfortable with. So at some point, um, you um, started raising your four children uh, alone. How was, how, what year, like what time, like what was going on in the world when you were, uh, you know, almost like a single mom? Well, my uh, husband at that time made a wrong choice. I hopped into a marriage that uh, I really didn't, shouldn't have taken uh, so short a time in getting to know him. And uh, I found out he, you know, God says in the Bible, don't be unequally yoked. We were unequally yoked in that he wasn't a believer. I was. Um, He did not have the kind of, uh, well, the sameness of uh, feeling comfortable with uh, raising our kids in, in the church. I wanted that, and that's actually how my kids were raised because, again, we when we parted ways, he... Uh, took off and left me after maybe two checks of child support. I never heard from him again for years and years and years. And um, so my kids and I moved in. My grandmother had passed on pretty much. uh, Well, no, she didn't pass on. She lived in one side of the house. And so my mom and dad, God bless their souls, took us in, me and my four kids. And I ended up working nights as a nurse so that I could be able to get up and go to whatever activity that the children had uh, either in school or after school. I would sleep when I could and mom and dad would watch them during the day for me so that I could sleep when I had the time and uh, that's how we made out is uh, my mom and dad saved us in that respect. And uh, I was able to go to bed and know that my kids were being watched and cared for by my own parents. And living in the little town that that I grew up in, it was still very safe because when my kids would get up and, and during the weekends or vacations, they would take off immediately after breakfast. They would be out playing with their friends. It's the whole big, big different thing than what uh, kids are doing now because they're now they're behind computers or telephones, their little handheld phones, and uh, not playing like my kids did. They played from morning till night outside, and they were very healthy for it. I never had any of my kids really, really sick at all, and I can be grateful for that. They were just on the go all the while. So, go ahead. Sorry. Um, So I've always wanted to ask you this, and this is not a question I've ever actually, I think, had the courage to ask. When you were raising the four kids, 
at home living with your parents, with your parents' help, um, did you ever feel any type of judgment or did you ever feel any type of, like, undue, obviously, guilt raising the kids there with your parents or did you ever feel, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think I was too, too busy to think about it a lot. I feel guilt now about having put so much on my mom and dad because my, my boys, as they grew, were boys. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, broke windows. They tore, tore down by climbing on it an arbor that had rose bushes cli climbing on it, on it I don't know, in the backyard. And just were a, a lot of work to, to watch because of the things they get into. One of the biggest things my thir uh, third child, my second son, wanted to do was, he wanted to do everything. He was into everything. He did, um, he wanted to play with fire. He just had his nose into anything that would work, that ran mechanically. And uh, it's turned out to be a good thing for him that he, he was uh, that way because he uses that now. But he was extremely busy, and my daughter uh, probably got the most help of any of them all because of the fact that being the only daughter, when she was about five years old, there were uh, in the little town where the town, not the hamlet that I grew up in, because my town where I went to high school was just four miles away, and there was a, a woman who taught dancing. And that was the first thing I said to her when she hit five years old. Do you want to dance? Do you want to take dancing lessons? And she said, oh yes. <laughs> and she danced until she got out of high school. And uh, I was there. And I would go along with her. My mom and dad had the, had the boys. <laughs> While I took her down to her dance classes and I'd sit there and I'd write her dance steps out and I'd dance with, <laughs> with her and help her get her dancing uh, down so that when it came time for recitals, she was well versed in what she had to do. But I will say this, my dad loved baseball and he got all the boys out for little leagues and that sort of, in Babe Ruth leagues. So the boys got their chance too. And uh, the uh, the kids really never said they missed a dad because my dad took over very nicely. He was a little bit grumpy <laughs> at times. And in fact, we and sometimes we called him Grumpy Bumpy. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know for our listeners, we called uh, for Bethany and I, our great grandfather, his name was Bumpy. That was our Bumpy. Yeah. yeah. So that was but, uh, Grandma's dad. You know, and he 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 was strict, but uh, he put up with a lot. I can just tell you that. Yeah. You know, it's he did put up with a lot, but he he loved his baseball and he he had his boys on his teams, and we could go right out behind, because after after the school next door to me closed, it became a fire hall. But they saved their back yard, which was part of the school grounds, and turned it into a little baseball field. And we could go stand and hang on the fence and watch the baseball games there. <laughs> so it was kind of neat, too. So uh, being a mom was easier for me because of my mom.
That's great. Isn't that amazing how I think, you know, looking back at the things that Bethany and I have said, the things that our mom has said, and all the things that you're saying, the generations of being a mom is easier because I had my mom. So I really think that that goes to show if you are somebody that is lucky enough to have your mom, have a present mom, you know, with you, um, it really, it's, it's like a big community where you don't realize until you become a mom just how important your mom is. Yeah, and I think too, along those lines of if you're lucky enough to have your mom, I mean, that makes it obviously so so much better but when you don't have your mom finding a community of moms to be that guidance is so important too um you know because one of my one of my best friends um her mom passed away before she became a mom and I don't know what that life is like I don't know what it's like to raise my son without my mom so um I can't imagine that you know so definitely but she has a great community like of moms that she learns from and then she has people that she can reach out to and you know she's not alone but I'm sure that it's it's different and I I know for a fact that if she could she she would she would have her mom here any day oh yeah I'm sure yeah I'm sure so it's funny that you bring up the fact that you worked so that you could go to the kids stuff during the day because that's one of the stories that our mom tells us and how much she appreciated that from you. And I don't know if you know that it was recognized as deeply as it was, but like I know that was a big part of mom's life. And the fact that you wrote down her dance steps also did not go unnoticed because that is a story I have also heard from mom throughout the years. So um, you did what you had to do and you made it work and you you raised some awesome kids, you know? You nailed it. Yeah, one of the steps I still remember is probably one of the first ones that she ever learned was flap, ball, step, ball, step, ball, step, ball, step, ball, step, ball, step. And I used to dance it. I wish I could do it anymore, but now my arthritis won't let me. It's still there, though. The important part is is you remember it so It's amazing. So what was it like when you first got the call or the face-to-face interaction with mom that she was pregnant with your first grandchild. Do you remember that moment? Well, it was while I was out and away. I had to tell her by phone. So I felt, at, you know, at the time, being working. Oh, are you at, talking about your mom? My, oh, when yes. you told oh, your mom? Oh, when I to- yeah, when I told my mom. Yeah, that's what it okay. was. I was working in California as a nurse at that time. And uh, so I, could, I only could tell her over the phone. And, and what was that like? What did, what did you say to your mom? And what, how did your mom react? Well, she, mom, my mom was always kind of on the calm side. And, and she kind of took things as it, as it happened. I think probably she felt bad, but she never said so. She never made me feel that way, but in knowing in my heart, uh, I'm sure she f- took it to heart, and I feel that I probably disappointed her by not being um, around for her to follow through with this. Yeah. So. So what did, how did you react when you found out our mom was pregnant and that you were going to be a grandma? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's about it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I got, um, well, it was, you know, thinking, gosh, now is she going to have a boy like I had first, or is she going to have a girl? And uh, I was pleased it was a girl, but I thought, it's always nice to have a big brother, too. <laughs> and I kind of felt bad for her in a way. And <laughs> but uh, I think it was, you know, because you're th where I was three boys and a girl, you were three girls and a boy on your, yeah. your side. So, yeah, so I am Grandma's oldest grandchild. So even though Grandma has four children and one, a son that's older than our mom, I was the first. Um, and I do, Grandma, have very, very fond memories of you um, helping to raise me because our mom had her mom, which is you. And I remember, um, I, I have very vivid memories from when I was a kid and spending time with you and um, loving and just cuddling up on your lap and yeah I have very I think we've talked about this before but I have very early memories yeah one of cuddling's that, the best yeah. <laughs> cuddling yeah. is the best yeah. and now my daughter loves to cuddle with you mm. so there's nothing like a grandma or a g2 a great grandma cuddle yeah 100 <laughs> I know I used to cry when grandma would leave I would stand yes. at the front door and cry mm -hmm. oh and Bethany I do remember that <laughs> Too, I, I, it broke my heart to to leave one, because <laughs> you'd be right in the doorway and I, you'd cry and I'd go home crying. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. So, Amanda, I have a question for you. Okay. As we sit here and we interview our grandmother, is it just me, or don't you just feel like grandmas are grandmas forever? Like they were always a grandma, right? Like, right. Like yeah. Then one day we're gonna be grandmas, and then. Our grandkids are gonna be like, "You were always a grandma. What do you mean you were a child? You were right, and that you were a mom. Like, no, you weren't. No, you you, weren't. Were, a you grandma. were a grandma. <laughs> like, so hearing these stories about your past and your childhood yeah, is yeah. is so much fun for me because it's just like, you've always been my grandma. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. It's like when you first see a teacher out of school, and mm -hmm. you're like. I thought you lifted school. You're a teacher. <laughs> like, I saw one at the grocery store once, and I was like, this is weird. This is wrong. <laughs> Get up along at the grocery store. Get back to the classroom. Thank you. Yes. So it's kind of like that. It's like opening the doors to something yeah. that you don't think about often. Yeah. yeah that's Looking really at the tree of life there. Yeah. So our brother mm -hmm. had the first great-grandchild. Yes. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Wow, again, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't, find, it was hard to believe, you know. This, I mean, I know that, you know, you two were old enough to have a child, but he beat you to it, and I thought, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just neat to see that, uh, that he loves his little boys, just like I loved you kids and, it's it's nice to see the love coming out. It's a wonderful thing to see, not only in moms but dads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially for you because your husband left. Mm -hmm. You know, I think seeing dads love on their children probably means a lot as well. Oh yeah, it's uh, one of the most important things that that I can see with uh, the children is to see good dads. I'm so happy to see that. It, it, it makes me feel really 
uh, more assured of, of things when I can see good dads and their, their love of their kids. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. I think that is a very important point to bring up because although this is a mom-focused podcast, you know, it is, and, and everybody thinks of, you know, unconditional love from moms, it's very important, too, to, to bring dads into the conversation and talk about how important love from both parents yeah, both is. both parents. It's, yeah. it's ex- extremely so, very much so. Uh, I think you're going to have happier kids um, to, to have both a mom and a dad who show their love for their kids, as well as the fact that they can show discipline in love. And that's that's an important thing too. Discipline is is one of the things that can be handed out in two different ways, and uh, the discipline with love is the most important. But the discipline where it's like in absolute fury or whatever is not good. You need to discipline with an explanation, and I think it means a lot coming from a dad or a mom if there's no dad. But definitely you. You've got a discipline with good reason to why this is important for you when you're growing up. You need to know this is right and this is wrong. And I think you'll have better kids for it. And I think that's, just, again, family is important. Family is very important. Very important. I think so, for sure. And I think, too, along those lines of family being important, if you are, you know, in a situation, because, I mean, everybody has their own situation, but if you're in a situation that, you know, even if it's not your blood family that you feel like you have that connection with because everybody has, you know, a different scenario and they may not have that dynamic um, creating, you know, a family of your choosing to have that, you know, situation or to, or to, to be able to lean on and create that, that, that home and that life and the discipline like you were talking about, yeah. you know. I think it makes things easier. Yeah, it's it's uh, the learning has to come from the cradle. It really does. You you teach them the love. You teach them what they need to know to keep them safe. And uh, because my oldest son uh, did get into a bit of, uh, I think probably mostly marijuana. My brother took him to task and straightened him out. And when my brother passed away, my oldest son missed him like he did a dad because he he cried uh, at the uh, services when he was trying to tell how much he had done for him to to get him out of it. And I have no problems with him. There's, uh, thank God I have no problems with my kids and drugs. I was going to say, I think that, you know, speaks to the fact that Uncle Dean and Uncle Ron were so close our whole life. Like, they were so close. And, you know, you can discipline without causing a rift. There, There's a... But again, I, I think, too, that it goes back into that if you have a situation that you, you know, Uncle Dean not having his father around and having, you know, your brother step in and in kind of creating that father dynamic for him... Um, that helped. So it was the cards that were dealt and, you know, there's nothing Uncle Dean could do, you know, not having a father, but, you know, having Uncle Ron step in and, you know, become that for him. That was created, you know, so. 
I think that's good. So, yeah, I think that's an important thing. Now, I honestly didn't seek Ron out. He saw it himself. But as a mother who doesn't have a good father figure, at least look around and try and find someone that this child can respect and get good advice from. If he respects him, he'll take this advice to heart. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can find someone, even if it isn't a dad, a, a dad figure is good. Yeah. It could be scouts. It could be whatever. Right. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. a, t- a teacher, whatever. But that if if you've got that person in mind for your son, when you know you don't have a dad for him, uh, I would encourage it. Okay, so uh, we are running out of time here. I have one more question for you, and then we're going to go to Ask Mom, which Amanda will explain. What is your favorite thing about being a great grandma? Well, my favorite thing is just being knowing I'm seeing these children and watching them grow up. And uh, the hardest part is to think about, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. And I will miss them. Oh, grandma. <laughs> grandma. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but grandma, you will always be here. Yes. You'll always be around them. And we're not even gonna We're, we're not even going we're now. not gonna cross that bridge, grandma. We're not gonna <laughs> It'll happen when it happens and uh, I'm not sure I'll always be ready to go, but I want everybody to know that uh, I love them dearly, and I want them in heaven with me. <laughs> and we all know that. We all know that. Gosh, darn it, Grandma. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Jill, we're making us cry. We're supposed to be laughing. Oh. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> well, right. it will be if we uh, if we make it there. You know, we'll it would be, be fun. You know, it would be fun if Grandma gets a question that says. Did you ever try your own breast milk? Yeah, right. <laughs> That'll be fun. That'll be fun. All right, Amanda's going to explain, ask mom. Okay. And you're going to spin that wheel after she does. All right, so here's what we're going to do, Grandma. We are going to do our next section uh, called Ask a Mom. And what this is, is we have had uh, our friends, friends of friends, uh, submit questions. And these are questions from people that currently do not have children. Mm -hmm. Um, And they want to know um, certain answers to certain questions that we don't know what they are. Um, They want to know advice from a mom and how a mom would answer that question. So um, we are all going to answer. It's going to be a quick answer. So what we're going to do is we are going to have you spin that Fancy wheel right there. She didn't hesitate. She was like, all right, let's do this. Did I win? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, question one. Question one. All right, Grandma. All right. So, question one comes from Haley. She's 23 years old, and she does eventually want children. And her question is, is there truth or fact behind people hating hospital births? To clarify, I mean people who do not approve of the process of a hospital delivery. So actually, I can jump in and answer this one. 
um, a very good friend of mine, my hairdresser, Leah, she was not into doing a hospital birth at all. Now, as far as there being truth or facts behind it, I don't know if there's truth or fact behind it. I think it's a personal, uh, personal preference. Um, but Leah did two home births and she, the first one she did, she said it was terrifying because she's like, what happens if something goes wrong? Right. But she also had this idea in her head and, you know, I don't know where it came from or, you know, why it was there, but she, she has a fear of hospitals as well and a fear of trusting hospitals. Um, so that was there. So she had this kind of internal battle of, do I do something that I don't trust? Or, you know, do I do something I don't trust and have an emergency situation that can be handled quickly? Or do I go with my gut, do a home birth that also terrifies me, but then I'm also worried about, like, you know, having an emergency plan? So I think it's not necessarily a truth or a fact as much as it is an experience or a thought process. Because another friend of mine had one hospital birth, which was terrible. She had a horrible experience. Um, from the beginning, it was very, very bad. And then she did um, a birthing center for her second. And she said it was an amazing experience. She was in and out and she loved it. So now she really recommends birthing centers to people. Mm -hmm. But again, I think it's personal preference. I think that's a good answer. And I'm actually kind of interested to hear your take on this because, Grandma, you, you are a nurse, not saying that you were ever a delivery nurse, but you are a nurse and you've been a nurse for your whole life. And I think, you know, part of this question is probably much more modern day because now, you know, rather than, you know, I'm sure when you gave birth, it was when it's time, it's time and you give birth. And if you can make it to the hospital, great. And if you can't, then you're having the baby at home where I think now, you know, people, they make some some moms choose to make a plan to do it at home or, you know, like go to a birthing center and have a doula, things like that. So um, what, what are your thoughts, I guess, just on? Well, having been a nurse and I did work in the uh, obstetrical department mm -hmm. for, and did, I mean, I, I've even delivered a baby that came in because it was a small hospital and these, these people came through the uh, emergency room um, and couldn't make it upstairs and I've been there for births right there in the emergency room um, but I my personal preference obviously be having been a nurse is I feel that a hospital is is probably your best place but I would not say to you if your doctor has approved right along that you are healthy you don't have a problem here you don't have there's always something that could come up that might make a difference. You can't always wipe out all possibilities, but I think it's a matter of personal preference is, is okay as long as your doctor's okay with it. Mm -hmm. you know, if, he, if he had some qualms about it, then I might consider, you know, just hospital if there were, if he had some good reasons. Sure. Depending on if you're high risk. Yeah. I'm actually really glad you got that, that question. And I mean, truly these questions are all every week that we do this, they are all random. And I feel like that is a really good question to ask a nurse. So that worked out really well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, grandma, thank you so very much for stepping out of your comfort zone a little and recording a podcast with us. Yes.
Is there any uh, one last piece of advice or anything that you want to share with our guests before we let you go for the day? I think that uh, motherhood is a blessing. Hopefully most people can be raised with, with that in mind as from the childhood right on up that it's a good thing. I, I know there's kids who have had uh, bad experiences from bad parents possibly or a lost parent or whatever, but I think that motherhood is uh, a true blessing and it was given to us by God. I love that, Grandma. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. We will see you, well, we will talk to you and you'll get this really bad voice at least one more time <laughs> next week. Thank you for joining Bye. us. Love you. Love you. And I love you right back. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Grandma, that was awesome. Yes, I loved it. Sorry, Grandma. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to read your handwriting because it's kind of cursive-y. No, they don't, terrible. they don't teach cursive anymore. <laughs> okay. Please note, the views and opinions shared by our guests are just that, opinions. They do not necessarily reflect our own views on topics discussed. So please keep an open mind while listening, as nothing about our podcast is meant to be hurtful or exclusive. Thanks for joining.